Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. How's it going, everyone? This is Tyler Dunn from Go Long, here with Jim Bonus, long-time, long-time personnel man, my podcast partner, number one in your program and your heart. Jim, what's going on? It's good to be back at the Hamburg Brewing. Uh, I feel like I'm home when I'm at a bar, a restaurant, a casino, a horse track. I don't know why that is, but I feel very very uh, relaxed in these atmospheres, yeah. and, and they're so great here, and uh, we're starting off tonight, like we always do. What are we sipping on tonight? We got some raspberry lemon Kolsch. That's a little different than we're used to. Raspberry lemon Kolsch. Uh, it, it, as a reminder, everybody out there, please, oh, if you're in western New York, this works. stop by Hamburg Brewery. We're here now. They're open for takeout. They've got some great apparel here. Buy yourself a shirt, the best logo in the game, best beer in the game. And, yeah, we're, we're going a little, little different route here with the Raspberry Lemon Kolsch. It's smooth. It's bite. It's got some bite. It's a sneaky 5.6. It's a beautiful drink any time of year. 5.6, that makes me think of uh, Roman Harper last week saying he, he felt like a 6.5 <laughs> Sean Payton when we yeah. drafted him. He didn't feel that, that, high, that high percentage. But, yeah, no, this is a great way to start the night off and – you know, it's another reminder that you just wish every bar and restaurant was open right now. Completely. To, to watch for this city in, in Buffalo, just to enjoy this, this, what this playoff run already has been and going to be. It's so true. I was just thinking about that today. I mean, as excited as everybody is here in Buffalo, New York, and they are excited. I mean, it, this is something an entire generation has never experienced. Can you imagine what it would be like, Jim, if they could fill that stadium, if they could fill these bars, these restaurants? It would be next level. I mean, it's it's kind of bittersweet in a sense. They deserve it. They deserve, you know, everybody that's been with this team and loyal and lives here, they deserve to just have the most amount of fun you can have. I was fortunate enough in New Orleans, you know, when Katrina hit, you know, the city was just destroyed. And that next year we come back, Coach Payton and Breeze, and we have a good draft, and that first year, we it almost felt like we had, you know, I know it was a small part, but the football team, people rallied around the team to build that city back. And it was just cool to see how you really are, the fans and the city is connected with the football team. I mean, there are some cities, some markets where it isn't that way, where, where football isn't embedded into the fabric of the community. I mean, we, in our jobs, we both travel to, to different stadiums, different cities. I mean, you go to a... I mean, obviously L.A., but like Miami, you know, same the division. You go to you go to a Bills Dolphins game. I mean, it's 
you know, they go to the beach if the Dolphins lose. The Buccaneers fans, they're going to the beach if Tampa loses. In Buffalo, in Cleveland, Minneapolis, Green Bay, I mean, if the team wins, people are legitimately excited to wake up in the morning. If they lose, they're depressed all week. It's it's special. It's different. I think that's what's great about this playoff is you got the Bills and you got the Browns still in it, giving everybody in those cities hope. Yeah, this week it kind of leads us into this weekend, and, and the, the excitement is, is, you know, for me, I, I know how you are too as a football fan. This is – it gets no better than playoff football. I thought last weekend was fun to watch. This weekend's going to be better. If we want to get right into this Baltimore-Buffalo yeah. game right off the bat, I cannot believe – watching the tape of the Bills game, how well Josh Allen played. So when I graded the quarterbacks from this playoff weekend, Tom Brady edged out Josh. It was so close. But those two played on a level that if Josh Allen plays like that, I really mean this, these next five to ten years, as long as he stays healthy, this is going to be the norm for Buffalo. So they are going to get – this city is going to get a chance to celebrate at restaurants and bars. This, this He's playing out of his mind. Yeah. Like it's unbelievable what he's doing – I'm, he's starting to make throws on the run, which I always thought was a little bit of a weakness for his. He's made, Now, the receivers made some great catches on the sidelines, Davis, those guys. Mm-hmm. We always had a little saying in draft rooms, you know, we, we always like receivers that might uh, partake a little bit in some marijuana because they seem to have that ability on the sideline to kind of go limp and be very loose and drag those feet like that. And It's a skill. Don't know if any of those guys do it on Buffalo, but I tell you one thing, they made it look easy. Those catches they were making were not easy. Um, but anyway, Josh is just on a level right now throwing the football. And the funny thing is the guy they're going against this week, Lamar, I wouldn't say he's on that level throwing the football, Yeah. but he's on that level making plays and being an offense that is – just an absolute nightmare for the Buffalo Bills this week because they can run the football. Before I forget too, Jim, I should tell our listeners here, you know, we're, we're here live at Hamburg Brewery, obviously. Um, Eric Moltz may be calling in. So I hope this isn't a false promise at this moment as you listen, but I was just texting Eric this morning, gave him the Zoom link, told him when we were recording, and he could uh, pop in anytime. So this is somebody I think – not just Bills fans, I think football fans would love to hear from really one of the more underrated um, stars of his era. So we'll hopefully get to him soon. Um, but to your point, Jim, I, I mean, I totally agree. Josh Allen was remarkable. I mean, we've talked about it for a month on how he just needed to do this, right? He needed to perform in the playoffs. All the pressure has been on him from day one this season, and he delivered. You know, I, I know, you know, we could talk about that fumble late. I mean, if, if, if Darren Williams doesn't pop on that football, we're, we're spending the next eight months talking about bad Josh returning ever so briefly and costing the Bills. But the reality in which we live in, they won. He was excellent. And he got that monkey off his back. You know, the year um, when I worked for the Saints and we won the Super Bowl, the 2009-10 Super Bowl, against the Vikings in that NFC Championship, mm-hmm. Drew Brees fumbled late in that game. And Jairi Evans, our Pro Bowl guard, recovered that thing. And wow. Saints, the true diehard Saints fans, we still talk about, what if Jairi didn't recover that fumble? We might lose that game. And it's the same. That, that, you don't know how that game turns out. Totally. Um, the right guard, Feliciano, got beat on that play Dude. pretty bad. They, they gave up the sack. Um, just, you know, Williams was kind of right there. And I, I watched it a couple times, and he has long arms. And it helped. I mean, he, he found a way to get that. <laughs> that was thing. diving, lunging, it, saving a season. It really could have been. I mean, yeah. I think that's one of those plays. We talk about, like I said, in New Orleans still, what if he didn't recover that yeah. fumble? And maybe that's that play that they – yep. Every team that wins the Super Bowl, Jim, I mean, you can go back and start in, in the wild card round and say, all right, like they needed these two or three unsung heroes to make a play. I mean, and for the Bills, it was Darrell Williams hopping on that football. And what about Gabe Davis? Gabriel Davis, the fourth-round pick. I remember talking to a, a scout after the draft who was like, eh, I don't know why they're taking this kid. I really wasn't that high on him. And you look at the depth chart. You got Diggs. You got John Brown. You got Cole Beasley. And and who – I mean, that was a 14-point swing at the end of the first half. Rivers misses the throw on fourth down. The Bills come back. I don't know how many teams are even thinking field goal backed up in their own end zone, let alone touchdown with a minute and a half left. 
And you know, first Josh Allen rolls right, scrambles right. He's running through his own end zone, just kind of flings it deep, kind of like a half throwaway, half maybe we catch this. Gabe Davis.ci a few plays later does the same thing on the left side of the field. A, a remarkable throw by Allen, flipping his torso around against the grain. It was one of the best throws of his career. But, um, but Davis, I mean, that's a player who also saved the season because if they don't score a touchdown there, who knows what happens. That's the key to a good team when players that you don't normally talk about are, are stepping up and making those types of plays, especially yeah. in the playoffs. Now you know you have something special. And it's what we've talked about before with franchise quarterbacks. The other players are going to die for this guy. They're going to do whatever they can for him. And that's what this team's doing right now. Offensively, I, it was just incredible to see those receivers making those catches like that. Diggs had that one drop, but, I mean, obviously he came back and made some phenomenal plays like he always does. Um, you know, it's funny you said you talked to a scout about Davis. I, don't talk to scouts. We, you know, honestly, we – we hit about we hit about forty fifty percent right, you know. We just we like to talk about the ones we get right, but you know you can make your own judgments. But no, I'm just kidding. That, that, that's what I love about you, though, Jim. Like I mean, I think our listeners have kind of grasped that too. Is like you you're, you're not sitting here just you know puffing your chest out on all the guys you hit. You know, it's uh, you're, you're gonna miss. Hey, there's T- Tampa Bay. They're in the you know they're getting all this pub right now. Jason Light. They drafted Jameis Winston number one. Yeah, the GM. You know what I'm saying? And and. We don't talk about that. We let it go. But that was a bust. That was the first pick of the draft. He wasn't good enough. You know, and it's like I just – at some point, you know, sometimes you need to be held accountable for some of these things. And this is the time of year. It's like you really admire what the Bills are doing, putting this team together at the trade with with Diggs and, and Josh Allen's development and the way they built this line. Williams at right tackle is a good player that Carolina drafted from Oklahoma and didn't – you know, he, he – took him some time to get rolling, but, you know, watching him play, he's a good player. That's a like, position that kind of caused fits for you guys running, well, running the Bills. Well, we were hoping, and here's a, here's a big-time whiff by us, was Cyrus Quanjo from Alabama mm. in the Sammy Watkins draft in the second round, and Cyrus just wasn't good enough. Um, at the end of the day, we tried everything, and it goes back to, and we always tell coaches and GM stories, and Doug Marone was not a fan of Cyrus Quanjo. Mm. That was on us. That was on me, Whaley, the scouts, the offensive line coach. We were all fans of Cyrus Quanjo. Doug Marone was not, and he was correct on that one. Now, where we were good on that draft was we took Chantrell Henderson in the seventh round, yeah. who everybody that's a Bills fan would know if he actually cared about himself and yeah. football, he'd probably still be starting. Yeah. But oh, yeah. he just didn't have that makeup, and that's why he was in the seventh round anyway. But, but side note on him point. real quick, I'm Chantrell, I mean, there's a, a player that shall remain nameless that would text me constantly and say, this dude just – He's smoking too much weed, you know. He's, yeah. he's he's not caring like he should. No, I think he got all the talent in the world. Chantrell's been doing that for a long time. It's part of what he grew up with, and um, you know, unfortunately, then he had some injuries. You know, Houston paid him a little bit. He didn't show up. Remember, he was kind of MIA for a little bit with you guys. Yeah, I, I can tell you. Well, I mean, yeah, it was just a long. He had a long, yeah. rough yeah. road health wise, and and just his love for football just was never enough to put him to, to be a starter every day. But back to Williams mm-hmm. and Dawkins, and they have these guys. You know, you're, when you have your tackles in place and you have your quarterback in place, and you know they're going to lose Zach Moss this week. Next man up. I mean, seriously. Oh come on, that's another phrase, but we got a ban on the podcast. Fair too. enough, but <laughs> we could do whatever. Uh, what Doug say? Next, get ready to get up on the pole. Like who right, next? right. Who, that, if you're, you got to have a. God, you get called it. Yeah, but he did it too well, so let's not try to exactly. re- yeah, right, we can't recreate right. it. But to, to, to my point is this. It's a running back. And they're re- I hate to say it, everybody's pretty much replaceable except quarterback, in my opinion. Man, you know how I feel about running backs. I love them, Jim. So do I. Yeah. I love them as long as I have a quarterback first. <laughs> yeah, you can talk running backs all day. Okay, so they, they find a way. And again, we, we might be calling in Eric here at any moment, so so hang tight on that guest appearance. What's your first initial gut feeling about? I mean, let's just stick with the Bills now. We'll get to the other games, um, but we're here in Western New York. Bills rolling, Ravens <clears throat> rolling. They play two different types of styles. I'm completely different. Like I, can, I mean, we've talked. Uh, you know, we, we text every day. We were just talking about this game. Like, I can see this being a blowout either way. I can see the Bills just mopping the floor with these guys, right? All right, if they, if they turn this into a track meet, um, 
they they could beat them by by three touchdowns. I mean, I, I could see that happening. I could see the Ravens blowing the Bills out. They turn in this turn this into like a back alley brawl where they're just punching them in the mouth, and they get Lamar rolling downhill. They get J.K. Dobbins. They get Gus Edwards. They hit him with a deep shot to Marquise Brown. This is a defense that's nasty. Marcus Peters, Marlon Humphrey. You know they're they're not gonna they're not gonna go out without a fight. I I can see the Ravens blowing the Bills out too. I I don't honestly I'm gonna hedge my bets. I don't know where this is gonna go. So I'm gonna ask you. Well, if you can tell me which way it's gonna go for the blowout, that'd be very helpful because I'd like to bet that. If you know the answer to that question, <laughs> I would say this. You know I'm big in analytics, big on stats, and. When you break down these teams left in the playoffs, I did it right, you know, all the teams in the playoffs. Statistically, when people do their power rankings, mine's just based on nine stats that I've found very, you know, very true, hold true. Baltimore is the best team in this NFL. They're the best team. They're the most complete team from offense, defense, and it's really, it's really fun to watch. All right, Jim, I hate to cut you off, but we have Eric Moulds on the line, so we're, we're going to bring him in. We're going to tell him he's live. We're doing it live. All right, everyone. We're joined now by legendary Buffalo Bills wide receiver Eric Moulds. Eric, where are you? What are you up to? How's life? Life is good, man. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm here in Charlotte. So, you know, I get an opportunity to to train some, some young college and high school kids. And, you know, I'm, I'm proud to say uh, that I've got 90 kids' scholarships. So, it's been working well. So it's, uh, I've had about 55 get D1 scholarships and the rest have D2 and and so on. So it's been it's, – it's not just football. It's actually volleyball, track, and, you know, i got a different sports. That's what I was gonna, just going to ask you, Eric. So how are you getting your athletes that train you? Do they know about you in the area, or is it agents funneling them to you? Uh, it's word of mouth. I think it's word of mouth. And I have some agents that, you know, I have a few uh, guys in the pros that I train and, uh, you know uh, – I've trained Stephon Gilmore uh, the last couple of years. Rock and Hill? So yeah. It's a lot of word of mouth, and, you know, I'm close to the Rock Hill area, so, you know, Rock Hill has had a lot of guys in the pros, uh, the backup quarterback for the Steelers. I see him all the time down in this area. So it's a lot of guys from this area that, that play in the pros and, and a lot of up-and-coming guys that I think will be playing in the near future. Man, that, that's amazing. It, it's just got to be gratifying, too, to, to give back at, the, at this stage of your life, you know, all the knowledge that you've kind of gained through the years. Yeah, you know, I tell the guys that I train and the, and, the, and the females that I train that, you know what, I can't play anymore, so I might as well give the knowledge that I've uh, accumulated over the years that you guys have an understanding of what it takes to get to that level. And I tell them all the time, I'm not – I can't get you to that level. You get yourself to that level, but I can guide you. Awesome, awesome. Well, man, how plugged in are you with everything going on here in uh, in Western New York? I mean, the Bills are, are two, two wins away from making the Super Bowl – I mean, I know we talked when we first met. We talked about the Music City Miracle in '99. I'll never forget Eric. I mean, you told me in pregame. I can't remember which Titans player it was, but you said you you were talking to somebody and said, "Look, whoever wins this game is going to the Super Bowl." You knew right then, like what was at stake. So you were a lot closer to getting to this point than people might realize. Um, I don't know how close how closely you tied are you to the Bills these days. You know, I talk to a, I talk to a lot of the people in the organization, a few of them, and I'm tied to it. You know, I've been I, I've been getting a lot of bragging rights. You know, you know Steve Smith and Randy Moss and those guys stay in the area, so I see them from time to time, and I I kind of got bragging rights right now. And, and the first thing they say, your bill's looking good right now, so I'm like, yeah, let's keep it going. And um, so it's one of those things that I keep up with them, and I'm, I'm pulling for them to to get past this next obstacle that we got. You know, you got a heck of a quarterback coming in there, and 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 you guys know been watching us, but I just think that we're we're a solid football team all the way around. But the thing that I'm concerned about that you guys probably noticed too, our run defense hasn't played that well. And this team right here is probably the best running team we played all year. It's going to be difficult. Uh, we can't make mistakes and and let them control the control this uh this ball game because you know the running game can control a game like this and it's supposed to snow and and all of the weather. So we have to be very 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 careful uh playing against this team. What do you feel then? I mean, this is these two offenses couldn't be any more different in what they want to do. We were just kind of touching on it a little bit. The yeah. Bills want to turn this into a track meet through the air. You know, they yeah. want to throw it all over the place, let Josh Allen do his thing. The Ravens are going to want to drag him into the back alley and beat the snot out of him. I mean, what kind of game are we going to see Saturday night? Well, 
you know, I, I would love to see us continue to throw the ball like we have, but you guys know Buffalo, the weather is going to change. And the, the guys have had perfect situation. You know, usually by now it's been bad, bad weather, and it's difficult to play in that. So uh, it's coming. So I think that, you know, the team that runs the ball the best, I've always said this, has a chance to win the game because you can control what the defense does. you got to stop the run. If you can't stop the run, now we can play action you. And then when we play action you, we can pretty much do what we want to offensively. Now, when you get a team that can throw and score like the Bills have, you got to be consistent at doing it. So I'm not sure how the weather's going to be, but hopefully they can continue to do that. And, you know, and Josh has a strong arm. And, you know, we have, we've done it before. When I, when I played with Drew Blesso, the weather was really, really bad. It was, I mean, the wind blowing 15, 20 miles an hour, and you got a quarterback with a strong arm. He can, he can get that ball through that wind, but it's very, very difficult to do. Eric, you know, I don't, I've never heard too many receivers talk about the running game like that. <laughs> I mean, I will give you some credit. Randy Moss, you brought his name up. He's on ESPN every week. I've never heard him talk about anything but himself <laughs> or, or the receiver for whatever team he's talking about. So I give you credit for that. That was pretty yeah. good. Yeah. You ever, could you imagine, I know Bledsoe had a good arm. But I'm watching tape of these quarterbacks there. Josh Allen, this thing is like, and Patrick Mahomes, these two, their arms are like nothing I don't think I've ever seen. Yeah. I can't imagine how much fun you'd be having playing up here right now. Oh, man, I would, I would, I would enjoy it so much. You know, you, know, you know what's the crazy thing is that, you know, we threw the ball a little bit. You know, the, the most I think I've ever thrown the football in a game was probably maybe 40 times in a game. Mm-hmm. And I just saw Ben Roethlisberger throw it 65 times. So I'm thinking to myself, like, okay, we throwing it 65 times. 30 got to come my way. So, <laughs> like, 60, 30 of those balls got to come my way. And I'm thinking, like, Jesus, can I imagine myself being in these offenses that's throwing the ball that much? I mean, it's crazy. You know, I had this conversation with Andre Reed a little bit, and I talked to Steve Smith quite a bit, and, and we were just saying, man, can you imagine us in offenses that throw the ball as much as they're throwing it? It's crazy. I mean, take us back to, to 99. I mean, that team just fascinates me. You guys were – I mean, you have the best defense in the NFL. You get to week 17. Rob Johnson just, just starts for the hell of it, right? We're resting Doug Flutie. The Bills are thinking we're, we're going to give him some time. And lo and behold, the owner steps in as the legend goes. Rob Johnson must start. I don't know. Like I, I know we talked about that meeting where you, you were a little flabbergasted by the decision. But did, do those memories still kind of replay through your mind on, on how good that team really was and, that, and that's kind of – I mean, if that happened today, can yeah. you imagine what social media would be like if a team did that today? I, it, it would just spontaneously combust. Yeah, it, it was – you know, it was a difficult time for us. I mean, we, we were excited, you know, obviously like the Bills are. You're excited, you're excited about the playoffs. You know, you got a heck of a defense. Offensively, we can score. We, we can score points. And Doug has been playing extremely well. So I'm going in there saying, you know what? We got a chance to do something special. And I, I would talk to Eddie George, who was a good friend of mine, because we both got drafted in 96 together. And we spent a lot of time uh, a few months leading up to the draft. And so we got pretty close. And, and I would text him. And then I told you on the field, I talked to him and Javon Kirsch. And I would say, man, whoever wins this game, I can promise you, I believe it's going to go to the Super Bowl. And I honestly believe that because I, I, did, I just didn't say that. I studied the both teams. And I said, you know, both of these teams are very, very solid defensively. They run the football well. And they do all X number of things. So I just basically came up with it and said, you know what? The team that wins this game probably is going to represent the AFC in the Super Bowl. And that's what happened. So, Eric, when you come out of college, Mississippi, you're from Mississippi, go Mississippi State. This fascinates me as a personnel and draft guy. Yeah. When Buffalo drafts you, have you, did you ever think about Buffalo in your lifetime? And did you have any idea what cold weather was? You know what? I, I knew what cold weather was, and I knew about Buffalo, you know, the players, you know, Bruce and Thurman and Andre and, and, and Jim Kelly. But I never I never even expected Buffalo to draft me because I was I kept hearing Jacksonville. I kept hearing uh, Carolina. I kept hearing different teams of that nation, the, the new teams. So I was kind of like getting my mindset to say, hey, you know, what? I might be in, in Florida. I might be in the Carolinas. I might be somewhere else. And my cousin, actually my cousin that lives in Buffalo, he, he moved from Mississippi to Buffalo maybe like when we were like uh, teenagers. He would call me and say, hey, man, I believe Buffalo's going to draft you. They've been talking about you for the last three weeks. I was like, dude, I haven't even talked to Buffalo. I don't even know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> so 
So me and my cousin would talk back. He would call me every week and say, hey, man, I saw them talking about you on the news and in Buffalo. And I was in Rochester. They were talking about you on the news. And uh, and I said, well, I just I just kind of shrugged it off because I was talking. I went to Miami. They flew me there. I went to Jacksonville. I went to Carolina. They were fi- flying me everywhere. I actually went to the Patriots, too. I talked to Bill Parcells. And, you know, they took Terry Glenn. They were talking about taking me or Terry Glenn. So I talked to them and I said, okay, I could wind up in New England. I could wind up here. Then all of a sudden, you know, uh, the draft, you know how the draft goes. The draft is like, hey, you know, anything can happen. Somebody can mess the draft up and now teams are scrambling. Who was our next best player? Who's our, should we draft defense? Who's draft offense? So uh, I knew a lot of that was happening. My agent was with me and he told me, he said, hey, man, I think, I think you may be going to Buffalo. And I kind of looked at him like, what do you mean? He said, I think Buffalo was going to draft you. I'm I'm hearing talks. I'm hearing uh, a couple of uh, different stories about Buffalo. So, Actually, that happened. Marv Levy called, and next thing you know, I'm a Buffalo Bill. I, mean, I was excited about it. So I got I got uh, my cousin to look everything up about Buffalo, and I wanted to get myself up to date on it. And so he would he would tell me everything about Buffalo, and the hey, first thing he told me was, buy a jacket. <laughs> <laughs> so the first thought isn't like – I mean, a lot of guys get traded to the Bills and yeah. are drafted by the Bills, and it's like, oh, shit. You know, they don't really know what Buffalo New York's really really like. And then they get here and – you know, it's it's a special place. Like, what did you have any of that? Like, and when did you enjoy it here? Because you, you spent, you know, your whole career here. Yeah, I mean, when I got drafted, I even think about that. You know, cause I, I'm from Mississippi, so everything is slower. You know, Mississippi is not is not a lot to do there. So I was, I just knew Buffalo was in New York. So I was like, man, is it near New York City? Is it near, near this? <laughs> And uh, so, you know, I was so excited. I wasn't really concerned about, like, other guys say, you know, Buffalo, bad weather. I want, don't want to play there. Yeah, I don't want to play in Green Bay because of the bad weather. I didn't even think about it. I just said, hey, man, I'm in the NFL. I don't really care. Just let me just let me play. That's, that's all I wanted to do. I mean, what, what, what moments do you really cherish looking back at, at your career, Eric? I mean, you went through several different quarterbacks, several different head coaches. I mean, as a receiver, you can – I mean, it just really fascinates me about the wide receiver position. I mean, everybody mm-hmm. says you can only control what you can control, but that is really the case as an NFL wide receiver. I mean, you don't know yeah. how that ball is going to be thrown to you. You don't know what the game plan is going to be. And in Buffalo, you kind of saw a little bit of everything. So you look back at your career, what what moments do do you cherish? Do you think about to this day? I cherish just, you know, you know obviously you cherish the, the memories with your teammates and, and, and the guys you went to battle with. But you, you really grow close to people in the organization mm-hmm. from the secretary on down to the cafeteria people, the equipment people, the, the, the trainers, the, the equip, you know, all the guys that do the little things that a lot of the fans don't get to see that you see every day. You know, you get, you know, you go, it's a business, but you know, you guys got, you can understand this that you get tied to certain GMs, you get tied to certain people in the personnel department because you grow those relationships over the years. And I was fortunate to be there for 10 years, so I would see, those faces a lot, then I would see different faces come and go. So you started to get the mentality that I want to get close to this guy, but I can't get too close to this guy. Yeah. Because, you know, obviously, you know, you, you know, the Bruce Smiths and the Andre Reeds, those guys are going to be around, but the, the guys that are the special teams guys that come and go, and then you see the the, the people they're bringing in to mm-hmm. work out every week. They're bringing different guys in to work just to build a team to make it better because you always want to get your team better. So, you're kind of looking at those guys working out, and you're kind of looking at guys that are on the bubble saying, I can't get too close to this guy. I really like this guy, but I know I can't get too close because he can be here this week, and the next week he, he won't be here. I mean, this just brings me back to Sammy Watkins. I remember a conversation with him. He he was really tight with Caleb Holly, who you guys drafted. Oh, yeah. And they were, like, best friends. And he said, like, when when you guys let Caleb Holly go, like, that messed him up. Like, that it's tough. I mean, you forget about these relationships <laughs> hey, that you build on a roster. We kept Holly around because we knew Sammy liked him. We kept him on the practice squad. <laughs> just say, hey, that's cool. Because Kayla, he had some ability, and we wanted to still work with him. But, yeah, yeah he and Sammy were tight. So we're like, hey, just keep him around. Sammy's keep happy. Sammy happy. Keep Sammy happy right now. Yeah, yeah. The only thing that was going to make Sammy happy was us getting – quarterback and get him the ball though which i agree yeah. i mean he should have that right. mentality too yeah find him a quarterback too jim come on now so, <laughs> so eric when you talk about your team former teammates um a guy that had a pretty cool weekend as a coach this weekend was alex van pelt for the cleveland browns calling the plays in that crazy situation they had do you have memories of him uh could you have seen him as a offensive coordinator you know coach someday did he always have that type of mentality i know he liked to i know he liked to hang out 
but yeah. I mean, everybody does. But did he have that yeah. coach mentality? He did. He, he he always had that. He was always that cool, relaxed, laid back guy. You know, and I and honestly, I, I talk to Alex every week. I text, we text back and forth. Oh, that's cool. So it's one of those things. I text, actually texted him after the game, and he was. I was telling him, "Congratulations, man! You, you did a good job of calling plays." Mm-hmm. He said, "I didn't do anything. I just gave the ball to twenty four and twenty seven. <laughs> <laughs> that's all I had to do." He said, "Some," he, and he texts me back. Sometimes we coaches get in the way. Just get the ball to the guys and let them play. And he said, that's what I did. And so, but Alex was always, always that type of guy. He would come in to the receivers meeting room and say, Eek, uh, what do you think about this play? What do you think about that play? Hey, let's get together. Let's go to the offensive coordinator and maybe try to get him to run this and run that and maybe put it in the system. And he did that a lot of times. And a lot of times those plays worked. And so he was always kind of like that coach guy. And I told him a long time ago, I said, Alex, I can see you coaching. Uh, after you're done playing, he would like, man, I'm not even, I don't even want to coach. I don't want to, I don't even want no parts of that. When I'm retired, I'm going to drink beer and I'm going to do nothing. Then I look up and I see him at UB and then I look at UB. Then he goes to Buffalo and I'm like, Alex, remember what you told me? He was like, dude, I have no idea. It just happened that way. <laughs> so, His jersey's hanging up at the big tree in. I mean, he's already yeah. a, a local legend there, but, oh, yeah. but oh, yeah. I mean, he, he's probably Aaron Rodgers is, closest confidant of a quarterback's coach that he's ever had. I mean, he got the best out of him. Um, maybe, you know, maybe he deserves a shot. I mean, this is the time of year when yeah. we're seeing a lot of movement. I mean, do you think, could you see him as a head coach somewhere? You know what, talking to him, I, I, I could see him as a head coach, but, you know, from talking to him, I don't think that's one of the things that he wants to do. I mean, <laughs> he was, uh, like you said, Aaron Rodgers went nuts when they let Alex Benfield go. And, uh, you know, like I said, the players, we get close to certain coaches. But we still understand that it's a business. But you feel more comfortable with this coach. You feel more comfortable with that receiver's coach or this tight end's coach or this defensive coordinator. And so you understand that it's a business. But in your back of your mind, you're saying, you know, I, I really like this guy. You know what I mean? i got to ask you this, Eric. I mean, one of the hills I'll die on, and granted I was only, geez, 12, 13 years old when that yeah. the Johnson Flutie stuff was going on. But <laughs> – Still, I don't know. As a kid, like I can remember, like being on the Rob Johnson side of that, it divided the city. You were either a Flutie guy or a Johnson guy, yeah. and I just felt like he's more talented. He's got a stronger arm. You pair that arm with that defense in '99, you could go the distance. You were there though. You were the you were the go-to receiver for both guys. Tell mm. me where you stand. Am I am I nuts? <laughs> well, you know, Rob had every two. Rob was the he was a smaller version of, of, of our quarterback now. And, uh, but Rob didn't have that, that swagger that, you know, that, that, that our quarterback now has, you know, he has that command, you know, you want him to command that offense, be able to say, you know what, I know when to run. I know when to take the deep ball. I know when to not go to Stefan Diggs. I know when to, how to set certain stuff up. So Rob had every tool that you would want in a quarterback. Now Flutie had all those attributes. Uh, he just didn't have the strong arm. You know, he, he had the knack, when to run, when to set up plays. He would give fake signals to me, uh, make the defense go that way, and so he can throw it to the other side or to throw to the running back, and he would do the same thing, have Thurman run a fake call like he was going to give him the ball, and he had that knack. Because sometimes I would be sitting out wide, I'm like, what is Flutie doing back there, giving hand signals that we don't even, we don't even do that? But he was, he was manipulating the defense and getting them to do what he wanted to do, making them go cover two. They may have been blitzing. And he's giving a fake signal and making them go back in, out of that bliss and go and cover two, in which he would give the ball to Thurman. And that's that. So he was smart in that aspect. Rob, he's going to run the exact play that was called. If it's a bad defense, a uh, bad play for a defense, we're going to run it. He was just that guy that he was a system guy. You know, Flutie was one of those guys that could come in and say, you know what, I'm going to change the play. I'm going to do this. I'm going to put us in the best possible situation to win. And that's a hell of a breakdown. I don't think I've, I've heard a better breakdown than that, Jim. Man. No, that's and that's and that's a good way of doing it without choosing one either. So he's done this. He's had that question. You've had that question before. That was pretty good. <laughs> well, let's let's hear it, Eric. I mean, give us a prediction. What's going to happen here in Orchard Park, New York, Baltimore, coming to town? And, well, and give us give us your Super Bowl pick too. We'll, we'll go beyond the Bills. Well, obviously, you know, I'm I'm going to go. I'm going to go with the Bills. Get murdered, but <laughs> but. You know, I, I really think we can win this football game if, you know, it's always going to be an if when everything you do in any sport, sporting event. If we take care of the football, uh, Josh continues to play the way he's played, uh, 
the weather is going to be a factor. So we have to run the football. I know Moss is not going to play. So we, we got to have single, single turn. He's, he's got to run the football well. Yeah. We've got to run the football to con- not just to be able to, to win the game, but control the clock. You know, and a lot of times you look at it, the passing game, sometimes at some point it's not going to work. You know what? We've been, we've been successful at it all year. But what do we do if our passing game is not working? What do we do if it's snowing, it's sleeting, and it's bad weather, and and uh, the ball is hard to handle? So we have to be able to run effectively. You, you know, Baltimore is going to come in; they're going to run the football effectively because that's what they've done all year. Uh, we have to contain Lamar Jackson. If we don't contain him, it's going to be a long day. But if if I really feel if the Bills go in and just play and don't turn the ball over, we can win this football game. It, it I would say it would be uh, something like. 21-27. But uh, if, if, if we're not running the football well and we're turning it over, it could go the opposite way. You're right with Baltimore. I mean, they can turn this into a different kind of game, so it'll be interesting. But, Eric, that was phenomenal. Thank, thanks so much, man. Really appreciate you plugging in here. And no fans love, love to hear from you. And Are you yeah. back in town much? Like, do you come up? I mean, you can't really now, I guess. Yeah. But yeah. Before, before all this happened, I would come in, in town from time to time. You know, I love Buffalo. I love coming in and, you know, all the different places to eat and, and seeing some of the fans and, 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 and doing stuff for the Bills. But it was always fun to come in town. You know, Buffalo is a city that's that's fun. I think when players eventually come here, they're like, man, Buffalo's actually awesome. You know, so I, I hear it all the time. And then, cause, you know, guys that have not played in Buffalo or lived there, they're like, man, I couldn't, I couldn't play in Buffalo. I said, well, you just there to play us and, you don't get a chance to see the city and meet the people because they're booing you, throwing eggs and all kind of stuff at you. So you're, <laughs> <laughs> you're not going to have the same perspective that I have. But once guys go to Buffalo and they wind up becoming free agents or they, they get a chance to play there, they fall in love with the city. Man. Can ahead, we do one more? We, yeah. you yeah. got to tell us one Greg Williams story because we tell – I worked with Greg Williams when I was with the Saints. So we, we he's a big – part of our podcast where I like to always tell a story. Roman Harper, who lives in Charlotte as well, who played for us in yep. New Orleans. Yep. He played for Greg. He told a story. So do you have a, a – I tell everybody, it's, the guy's nuts in a good way, <laughs> but he's nuts. Yeah, yeah, he's a good guy, man. You know, Greg good is guy. an amazing guy, man. Uh, he uh, His first time when he came to Buffalo as the head coach, he came in and he was just like – uh, you know, he's he's he, uh, he's MF and everybody, and you kind of like you want to you want to get a head coach a hit, uh, um, let him do his thing. And so Greg is MF and me, he's MF and uh, everybody that comes. I'm just, and we all kind of just looking at each other like, is this guy serious? So first time he comes in the meeting room, his first time in Buffalo. So I'm excited. I'm like, okay, we got a we got a heck of a coach. He's a great defensive mind. Let's see what happens. He comes in there and <laughs> he comes in there and says, "You know what? I don't give a mf how many catches Moles has. I don't give a mf how many passes the quarterback throws. I don't give a mf how many uh, carries the running back get." He's talking about we're gonna do it. <laughs> Greg said we're gonna do it my way, and 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 I don't want to hear nothing else. So we kind of all looking like what? And then so after this, uh, after like the, I think the third game of the season, I think we may have started like 0 and 2, 0 and 3. Greg was like, Hey guys, we got to reevaluate this. <laughs> I know, I know what I said the first meeting, but we got to change things up. And now I care how many catches you get, how many passes you throw and how many uh, carries the running back get, because if we're not doing those things, we're not winning. So we're going to change some things up. So it was one of those things we kind of, and we kind of let him know that said, Greg, remember the first time you came in, you were MF and he was like, Hey, you know, when you, you're coming in as a new head coach, you want to put your foot down and, and show guys that it's going to be my way. But he said, hey, you got you to gotta listen to your players at some point, too. <laughs> That's the best thing about him is yeah. he cared about the players. Oh, yeah, he did, man. He was, he was one of my favorite coaches, man. And, you know, like I said, once you got to know him, some of the players, uh, they thought the way he would rub them the wrong way because they didn't know his demeanor and the way he was. But I knew how he was. So I would always pull him to the side and talk to, talk to Greg and – once you got to know him and hear about his family and, and the way he does that, he was actually one of the nicest guys I've ever met. But as a coach, if you didn't do what you're supposed to do, he, he would tear into you, man. You got to have a little fear, right? You got to be a little afraid of your head coach yeah. to an extent. You can't yeah. be too buddy buddy. I'd imagine. Yeah. A lot of buddy buddy head coaches out there today. Oh, fine line. It's a fine line. He was one of my favorite coaches, though. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, you're the man, Eric. God, th- thanks so much. Um, and, and if you're ever back in Western New York, let us know. We'll. Get some beers right. here at Hamburg Brewery together. Um, God, great great to see you. Great to hear from you. Guys, you, man. I appreciate it. Nice to meet you guys, man. Y'all take it easy. Be safe tonight, all right? I appreciate it. Have a good one, Eric. Thanks. <laughs>
All right. That was the great Eric Moulds. Good stuff, Jim. Man, a lot of stories. Bill's memories, Greg Williams' memories. That was fun. Yeah, we have to continue every show with a mention of Patrick Mahomes and a mention of Greg Williams. That's, That's right. kind of our trademark right Absolutely. now. Absolutely. Absolutely. Man, thinking about this Baltimore game is just, you know, it can't get here fast enough for fans, you know. But, you know, you got to pace yourself this week. Get ready. You know, we talk about, you know, last week we talked a little bit about the brunch, the, the food scene in Indianapolis, uh, Milk Tooth versus Roost in Buffalo. And mm-hmm. Doug Whaley talked a little bit. And, you know, I, I think about the food scene in Baltimore, which everybody thinks of crabs and crab cakes in Baltimore, but they're actually famous for what they call pit beef sandwiches in Ooh. Baltimore. And there's a place called Chaps, which is the most famous place. The locals might have some other local places they like better than Chaps, but it's the first place I ever went to to have this pit beef sandwich. And the only time I had a sandwich that rivaled it was probably Schwabel's Beef on Weck. As far as they're different, but they're, you know, they're both beef sandwiches type thing. They're prepared differently. But you want to talk about two cities that have like a food scene, Buffalo and Baltimore. It just adds to, you know, for yeah. me who loves food and drink and, you know, it's just part of it. I, I was thinking about it this week. I was like, well, who has the better sandwich, beef on weck or pit beef? Oh, beef on weck all day. Come on, Jim. Really? Is it a, is well, a conversation? I haven't had it, so I, maybe I shouldn't you, talk. It's, it's not as... They're, they're, they're more similar than you think. Um, they do a little mayonnaise and a spicy horseradish, which they call like a tiger sauce that okay. they will put on their sandwich. And it's still thin sliced, you know, but it's on charcoals. It's in a pit. So, the, you know, it's a little different than how they prepare the beef here for the beef on weck. But the weck roll, the Kimmel mm-hmm. weck roll here in Buffalo is hard to beat. What's your uh, evolution on chicken wings? I mean, I, I just remember being in, in high school, I'd, I'd order mild because I was a wuss. Um, I, I said, I, you know, I used to tell my brother, I want to enjoy the chicken wing. And then you get older, you mature, you grow up, you grow some hair on your, your chest, you lose the hair on your head, and you say, you know what? I got to get my wings hot. You, it's got to have spice. It's got to have some zap to it. And, I mean, granted, there's so many different flavors you can get anywhere in Buffalo, but just talking medium, I'm sorry, mild, medium, hot, I think you got to go hot. I tend to always – I like to – I always say I like to be miserable. I'm a gambler. Mm-hmm. You know, and when you gamble, you're usually miserable Yeah. because it's brutal. You could just not be a gambler, Jim. Yeah. No, I can't. You can't. You should never do it. But when it comes to ordering wings, I want the hottest wing. Yeah. Give it to me as hot as you have, and let's see what happens. Wait a minute. Have you, got, have you ever gone to, like, any of the places here in West New York and gotten the hottest wing? I mean, there's some places where if you, you have to, like, sign a waiver – I did a waiver at Quaker Steak and Lube, that chain that has. I know it's bad, yeah, yeah, but yeah. I, I I had to sign a waiver there because okay. I wanted to do this. It was I, I wanted to get on the wall of flame. It was right outside of Pittsburgh, a little north of Pittsburgh. Oh uh, yeah, Cranberry yeah. Township, I think it totally. was. Totally. Yeah. Isn't there a Permanis? Yeah, they they, they started to break right out chain wise yeah. a little bit. Um, that's an overrated sandwich too, the Permani Brothers, in my opinion. Is it? But a little overrated for me. But I had to sign a waiver to do their ghost, you know, ghost wing, and and I did it, and it wasn't fun. I didn't feel mm-hmm. good the rest of the night, um, but I did get on the wall flame. Extreme bowel movements? No, you get, keep things under control. Um, went to the casino that night, downtown Pittsburgh, with mm-hmm. some friends, and um, I just remember sitting at the blackjack table, and it it doesn't help feeling the way I felt while you're losing. It yeah. add, you know, it was a little bit too much to handle, but but I was fine. That can ruin a night, I would think. All right, let's uh, let's hit some other games here. I mean, we we hit Bills Ravens pretty hard. Uh, before we move on, though, like I, I didn't get a prediction out of you. Like, what do you think is going to happen? I'm going Buffalo because of Josh Allen. Um, I, I it's hard for me. This one is hard. It's going to be a, it's a tough sell to say that Baltimore isn't a good bet, especially getting three three point. If you can get it at, at three, it's, it's two not really and a half home field advantage. No home field. It doesn't exist. Yeah. Except for the fact that Lamar did have that game against the Patriots this year, where he could not—he did not throw the ball well in the weather. You know, now that was extreme. That was, he was just getting back from COVID then, and that right? too, and that was extreme weather. And I don't think yeah. that's going to happen Saturday night. But I'm not going to base. You know, I'm going to make excuses for Lamar. I love Lamar too, but I just can't get over how Josh Allen's yeah. playing. I'm just going to roll with the hot throwing hand yeah. right now. I yeah, I, I I agree. I mean, it's it's hard. I mean, and we're a couple of. You know, we were pretty skeptical for a while. I, I think that 
this is a tough team and a tough quarterback to bet against right now. Um, side note, if, if you're listening, check out Go Along uh, Friday morning. We're going to have a story on Stephon Diggs. So it was a lot of fun getting to the bottom of that situation. Just kind of a perfect storm. I mean, you've got a receiver unhappy in Minnesota, wants out. you got a team swinging and missing at wide receiver, looking for a stud. They get him, and it, it, it's worked out better than anybody could have imagined. He's he's about to play against two of the nastiest corners in Humphrey and Peters mm-hmm. in the NFL. Do they match up, or do they play sides? Don't know that answer. I just wonder who's going to – I mean, I'd love a Peters digs. You know, I, to me, I don't know, but I don't, that's a good question, I guess. I, you know, that's a little XDOE for yeah, me. Yeah. Um, I just know that both those guys are in getting your face, and if, if you're competing for the ball – they will come away with it. Their ball skills are outstanding. Mm-hmm. They don't drop picks. Um, and I just love – I love both those guys coming out of college, and to see them both playing at a high level is always good to see. Like, yep, that's what you're getting with those two. Browns Chiefs. Browns got a shot in hell? Yes. They have a shot in hell because they can run the ball. Mm-hmm. And we, we keep talking about that. And that formula in the playoffs will keep you in every game. Their defense is not – it's scaring me right now. Um I would have liked to see them really hammer home the Steelers getting that lead like they did, and they kind of let them creep creep mm-hmm. back. Not that it was really – point game. Yeah, it was and creeping enough to where they right? were thinking, yeah. like, was this really going to happen? Um, I don't know if their secondary can control the Chiefs. I don't. And Mayfield, you don't want to get in a shootout. I, I worry about Mayfield in a shootout if it gets to that point. But if they can control the ball, Mayfield's playing at a high level too. Really fun to watch right now. Um, I just don't see him going toe to toe with Mahomes. But the point spread on that game, uh, it's it's like nine and a half, ten. It, it, you could talk me a team that can score like Cleveland can in a bunch and getting ten points. You could always sneak that back door in. But I do think the Chiefs win. You're right; they can score in bunches. I, I agree. You can't bet against Patrick Mahomes ever. No. But um, you know, we talked about that draft. I mean, when you're getting dinner with. Terry and Kim Pagula at Tempo, and you're plotting this out, you know, you're thinking about that draft class. You're thinking about a year in advance. And and Doug made the point then that Baker Mayfield hadn't really crashed the scene. You know, he really wasn't even on the radar until that last season at Oklahoma. Did you scout him much? Like, did he ever enter your radar? No, it's kind of been fun for me because I didn't get a chance to really scout any of those guys in that class. And to really – to see, to follow them, you know, these last couple of years and really pay attention to them this year when I really dug into them. And it's year three for all these guys. So this is when you want to see them. And, you know, you redraft that draft class. And I, who goes first? Is it Josh Allen? Probably. I think so. Yeah. I don't think there's a quarterback, you know, other than Mahomes right now and Aaron Rodgers. I don't know if there's a guy playing better than him. Hmm. It's that crazy good right now. But anyway, back to that. It, it's it's fun to always, you know, you go back and redraft, and we were talking about Diggs was a fifth-round pick. And, you know, you could sit here and we didn't get a chance to ask Molds. It would have been fun to see if there were some receivers, who who the receivers that went ahead of him, how he I mean, feels that was about his, that. A historic draft class for wide receivers. Big time. And, right. Uh, Keyshawn went number one, being Marvin Harrison. Could you argue Molds was better than Keyshawn? Yeah. Oh, totally. Exactly, right? Yeah, totally. And, that was, and see, that's, that's what I'm trying to say is, you know, where you're getting, you know, look at um, – I mean, look at the like. Think about where Lamar Jackson went. Yeah. In that draft. I mean, the Patriots had a shot at Lamar right before that pick. It took Sony Michelle. I want to say that draft. They probably would go Lamar. It's, you'd have to your organization when you know. I'm sure Baltimore. Well, Baltimore didn't even take him with their first pick of that first round. They had two right. picks in the first round and didn't take Lamar Jackson. So they weren't that sold on how good he was going to be. John Harbaugh is an incredible football coach. I worked with him in Philadelphia. I was a scouting assistant. He was the special teams coordinator. Mm-hmm. And I just remember helping him out in OTAs in the summer and practices. And those were my most stressful days because you can't make mistakes around him. He will find it. He is that detailed. And I just always admired how he paid attention to everything. Um, he knows every rule of the game. And, it's, and I know his respect for Sean. I know Sean's respect for, for Coach Harbaugh. I mean, they worked together in Philly for years. So we're, I know we're back on the Bills-Baltimore game. But it's just there's so much in this game that's yeah. going to be fascinating to watch. Real quick, I mean, like, I'm always fascinated by that dynamic of looking, looking for a new head coach and Joe Judge with the Giants, you know, another special teams guy. How, how do you realize 
in a special teams coordinator, like this could be a future head coach. Like what skills do you look for? We talked about this a little bit when we're talking about head coaches, but you really don't know until you get them in the interview to see how big picture they can be as far as touching the whole organization. I thought Eric Moulds made some great points about the equipment room, the training room, the cafeteria staff. The players love talking to those guys. You know why? They don't want to talk to us in the front office all the time because we're in the ones going to cut them sometime. The coaches might be mad at them for something. They, they want to talk to people that just you can just talk and, and talk about life. And it's important to have the whole building, have your, your handprint on the whole building, which Sean was big on, Andy Reid's big on. Um, I thought it was pretty good this week that Joe Judge kind of came out just the other day and kind of said he was – Wrong for saying the, what, what he said a little Did bit. Did he really? I he, missed that. He, it was pretty impre- He pretty much said we shouldn't be complaining. We were well, he listened to the, the Go Long podcast. I just had to throw it out there. I mean, I didn't know. want to sound like I was – I mean, he at least came out and said something about that. So I thought, okay, that wasn't – I, I respect that, though. Yeah. In a I like Joe Judge. I, I agree. He, I think he's going to be a coach there for a long time. I, I think when a guy can admit, you know, kind of like, hey, I might have been a little – that might have been a little much, mm-hmm. you know, and, and comes back on that, I think that's that's a true sign of a leader. He probably didn't really realize, like, okay, how this could be perceived like you did. Because, we, we, like, we talked about it. We perceived it in two totally different ways. Like, he didn't know that it was going to be that direction. But, um, all right, enough Joe Judge Giants let's talk. Get to your, let's get to This is what I want to talk to you about. You're Jared Goff, man. Yeah. You've been, Tough you've as been in his, Oh, yeah. Now, I'm good with the toughness part. He's definitely you got to have toughness. Now, can he throw? He can throw. He can. He can is the thumb is the thumb scaring you? Hey, Brett Favre played a whole year with a broken thumb, right? You can. Well, the tape was scary. It didn't look good. It's true. I don't know. I don't think they've announced yet who's starting or who's playing. Yeah, they're going to keep that. Yeah, that, that you know how that goes. Um, that game is fascinating to me, depending on who the quarterback is for the Rams. Um, but that defense is so good. Their defense is. I mean, you can see it. Like, watching a Ravens game is similar to watching a Rams game sometimes. Like, the way the head coach is calling the game, like, all right, they're at midfield, it's fourth and five, fourth and six, and they're still going to kind of punt because they know they got the defense that can get get them the ball back. And usually we'd criticize a decision like that. But with a team like that, you don't because you've got a stud in the interior, Aaron Donald, who's going to mess stuff up. You've got a Jalen Ramsey who can – Maybe not shut down Devontae Adams, but he can take him away for the most part. I I think this is a sneaky situation. I'm, I'm going to take the Packers. I think the Packers win that game, but I think the Rams can win. I, I would not surprise me if the Rams win. They could win a 23-20 to 20 game here and just get enough, you know, get a touchdown, get a few field goals, whatever. They, hard, they, their defense is loaded. Hard for me to see them outscoring Rodgers right now just with – their quarterback play because even if golf is the guy they're going with he's not 100 percent, and it showed on tape i mean his only really big plays was a, a horribly jump ball thrown that cup made a great catch on and a little dump off to the running back who made a big run i, I didn't see the pick apart quarterback play that you're going to need to beat green bay um but that being said, we know the kind of coach McVeigh is, and he'll he's going to max out whoever he has playing. Yeah. He will have a game plan ready with that. De- you're going to be in the game. You're Matt going to be in the game. worked under him. How right? about it? They, those two. I guess those two have some pretty good banter this week. Hey, we're tight, but we both want to win. That's all. You know, you always hear that anyway. Cliche, like we always talk about. But um, that game, I'm really fascinated to watch that game. That, to see a number one defense mm-hmm. against the second best quarterback in the NFL, Aaron Rodgers, that's going to be fun. Aaron Rodgers wouldn't want to hear that he's the second best, but right. we he's, all know who number one he's is. He's going to find you and destroy you because well, like that's he what he you. does. That's what well, he did to you. Yeah. What are you going to do? Whatever gets him motivated. And then we have the game where there will be no scrambling of the quarterbacks. <laughs> Drew Brees and Tom Brady, the opposite of Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson. <laughs> did you see what Brady tweeted out, the History yeah. Channel? That was, that, that was great. Yeah, I mean, I, I – I don't know, like the Saints kind of have their number, right? Like third time the charm here for Tampa Bay? So big saying in football is, you know, when you're talking about a quarterback, well, he doesn't play well under pressure. That's very, to me, is very um, a blah way of score. There are quarterbacks that play very well under pressure. In fact, Phillip Rivers 
was one of the best. He's not anymore, but he used to be able to – it didn't matter what was coming around him and the, he could yeah. make throws. There are guys that do thrive under pressure as far as blitzing pressure, not the pressure of the win. Tom Brady doesn't want pressure anymore. Mm. He, he doesn't. He hasn't for years. And the Saints are nasty. We saw what the Saints did to Mahomes this year. They beat him up and didn't matter because he's so tough. I don't know if Brady can take a beating. If the Saints can do that, and, and you know, I, uh, Hendrickson, the defensive end, Trey Hendrickson, is a big part of that for the Saints. They need him back, and they need him playing at a high level. But I do think if they can get that pressure, if they can do that to Brady, I do think the Saints can win that game again for the third time this year. But I, I, I just think they're too good on defense. I remember we were having a couple of beers at Juicy Burger Bar here in Hamburg, and, and you made a great point, Jim, that really stuck with me, that there's a value to um, getting into the playoffs, having your heart ripped out of your chest three times in a row like the Saints have. I mean, you're talking the Minneapolis Miracle. You're talking Nikel Roby Coleman's DPI that wasn't called. You're talking losing to the Vikings at home and the wild card in overtime. I mean, those are three Saints teams that had legitimate, real <clears throat> Super Bowl hopes just absolutely torn away from them. I, I think that means more to a team, like that mental toughness. Again, coming back to like the human side of the game, I think there's more of a value to that than what Tampa Bay did in the offseason. I'm all in on the Saints in this game because of that reason. Too. Yeah. I, I, you can just... sign your Antonio Browns. You can sign your Leonard Fournettes, your Shady McCoys. Um there's no, they haven't been through anything. It's like a when you're in a relationship, yeah. you know, yeah. you got to go through some you tough times together. Stuff, and, yeah. and when you get through those tough times in a relationship and come out of them, you, you keep growing and growing. Like, hey, we can handle this. Uh, that's where the Saints are at. And it's Breeze's last year, let's face it. I mean, th- that team, just like we were talking about how these teams want to, they're going to, it's going to be yeah. every single thing they have to win for Drew. And then you got Drew Brees going into Lambeau Field in the cold. I mean, let's not get ahead of ourselves. But I hope that's what it is. Could be. Unless my boy Jared Goff pulls it off. Don't do that to me. <laughs> I've had enough of him. I've tried and tried this year. Because I, 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 I You have great of these guys. I yeah. respect your passion, and I, I do have a lot of respect for his toughness, but got to get past the toughness part. I need some production. I just want the toughness. Fair enough. Okay. Well, well, what do you think, Jim? Anything else you want to add here before we sign off? Well, we covered we covered all the restaurants. We covered the football scene. Um, the gambling scene seems on point this week. It's yeah. going to be a fun gambling weekend, as they always are. Had a nice win today with the Citadel, a 3 o'clock start <laughs> in college basketball, getting 14 against Furman. Underrated Citadel, Citadel team, the way they shoot the three. I had to take them. That's the hometown for me where, you know, I didn't grow up there, but I love Charleston, so – off to a good start and want to continue it this weekend. I don't know if I mentioned this before. I had a good buddy of mine in Green Bay. I'm not going to say his name. I don't want to get him in trouble. But, like, he, like, made bank betting on mid-major college basketball. Like, for a long stretch, like, he would just study the hell out of these teams and make a lot of money. So, I mean, if you know what you're doing, not for me, unless you convince me. But, eh. Don't gamble. I'm not going to do it. Don't do it ever. All right. Well, we are here at Hamburg Brewing. You should be as well. Come here. Pick up some raspberry lemon Kolsch. It's amazing. We're about four a piece deep. And you can also go online and order beer delivered to you. If you're in if you're in New York State, um, it's incredible. I'm still a Louis guy. I love Louis IPA. It's, it's my favorite beer. Yeah, you hooked me on that. That's a good one. Not that I needed another addiction, but thank you. But, yes, that's a good one, too. Beautiful. Well, hey, thanks so much for listening, everybody. We'll be back next week, and we're going to talk about Championship Sunday at that point. Thank you. Hey, everyone. I want to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand-new program where you can host your very own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community Discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. 
And on top of that, we'll help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. And the best part is you can get all of this for only $15 a month. The rate, the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup. So whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports experience. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com slash join. Check out the description box for this episode to find out more, but that's bwhustle.com slash join.